Welcome to the Dasco, Reverend Randy Impact's anointed teaching ministry. This message is selected from the vast teaching archives of Reverend Randy Impact. As you listen, may you be blessed and imparted with divine wisdom. And now, today's teaching. We've been learning about leadership and how it is that leadership is very crucial to the Christian faith. We laid a foundation that we all are leaders by creation. In the book of Genesis, God gave an instruction to man to exercise dominion over the territory. And that instruction um, indicates that man has an inherent capacity to lead. So then it also means that leadership has nothing to do with title because at the time, man did not have a title. Man did not even have a surname. He only had Adam, a first name. But then the responsibility given to him was grave. God also gave the responsibility of naming all the animals on earth to Adam. Now, I cannot think of a greater responsibility than that because this meant that Adam had to literally look out for every living creature on the earth and assign names to them. That was a, a, a great responsibility. So leadership is defined in terms of how you're able to carry out responsibilities as opposed to carrying a title. And so by default, each and every one of us here has the capacity to lead. However, many do not lead, not because they cannot lead as some believe. You know, some believe that, well, I cannot do this because I'm the shy type. I cannot do this because um, I'm not eloquent and so on and so forth. When we come into Christ or when we walk with God, he does not appoint us based on our um, uh, deficiencies. He appoints us based on his capacity. So if you look at the story of Moses, you realize that when God called Moses, in human terms, Moses actually felt that he didn't have what it takes to actually lead the people. And he made it clear to God. And one of the reasons that Moses gave was that he is not able to express himself. And the leadership responsibility given to Moses required him to speak. There was going to be a lot of speaking. All right? It's like God calling you to be a preacher man and then you a stammerer. So the work itself requires eloquence. Are you here with me at all? But then Moses, the feedback Moses gave to God was, was in order. He was telling God that, well, that's a great thing you want to do for your people. I wish I had the skill, the, the qualities. But I'm sorry, God, because what you're asking me to do requires someone who can speak. 
So let me make a recommendation. But then God said, no, I still want you to be the one to do it. So sometimes, you know, we have to then now start looking at how things looks at, how God looks at us. And you see that it is diametrically opposed to how we look at ourselves. Because we look at ourselves in light of our inadequacies. And God looks at us in light with what he has put within us. And that's the beautiful thing about leadership, that everybody has the capacity to lead. Now, God had to um, prove this in so many ways to the point that God made a donkey prophesy. And that is to tell you the extent to which we have been given capacity as men. So leadership is upon us. It is not something that we decide to do or not. Each and every one of us is a leader. And like the other time, I said also that leadership is about influence. And we all have what it takes to influence other people. All right? So we are all leaders. However, when it comes to the kingdom of God, um, God then now has a requirement for the New Testament believer um, to fulfill in order to be an effective leader. Now, these are not the requirement that makes you a leader because to be a leader is by creation, is by design. But to be an effective leader, the kind of leader approved by the word of God, there's a requirement you need to fulfill. I hope you are here with me. So that is what we want to learn because God would have us to become effective leaders, not just leaders. And our kind of leadership is Christian leadership. And the day you became born again, you were called into Christian leadership. You cannot leave your leadership behind. The reason why many people are not exercising leadership in church or in the kingdom of God, though they are born again, is that they still don't know that by design they are made to be leaders. Praise Jesus. So you can go through your school system. You were never a blackboard cleaner. You were never, a, a, you know, a sports prefect. You were never a dining hall prefect. Um, some people think that when you love food, then you are a dining hall prefect. You are not a dining hall prefect because you love food. You are a dining hall prefect because you were designed to lead. All right? And other people think that if you are the school prefect, it means that you are the most intelligent in the whole school. That's not true. Everyone can become a school prefect. All right? Because everyone has leadership upon them. Now, we have to be conscious of leadership because without leadership, God does nothing. Um, the Bible says God does not do anything except he reveals it to his servant, the prophet. That means that God works with leaders. Um, Professor Adai of the Christian College and I think former rector of Gimpa said a very interesting statement. He said, leadership is cause, every other thing is effect. 
That means when leadership is in place, you feel the effect of the leadership. And that's why God cannot move without leadership. When Jesus came onto the earth, the first group of people he called to himself in, in executing his uh, mandate were leaders. The Bible says he selected 12 of them. And with those 12, he actually was able to achieve his work. So it's a divine order. Peter did not think that he could be a fisher of man. And that's the thing about leadership. Most of the time, you don't think that you can do it. But it's not about what you are thinking. It's about what has been ordained. And for many of us here, you never thought you could do something until you began to do it. Um, but when you began to do it, you realized that you could do it with some level of encouragement and so on and so forth. So let's look at the qualities, the effective Christian leader. What are the qualities that God expects from you? Number one, for you to be an effective Christian leader, the first thing is you must be born again. You must be born again. Take me to John chapter 3, verse 3. Thank you, Holy Spirit. John chapter 3, verses 3. It says, in reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth. No one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. So the first requirement to lead in the kingdom of God. Now we are talking about the kingdom of God. We are talking about the Christian faith. It says that you cannot see it. You cannot see it. Now, to enter something requires the capacity to see it. All right? So, the first requirement for the Christian to be enrolled into leadership is that his salvation must be secured. That means that if you are not born again, you are disqualified from leading in the kingdom of God. It says, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom. And you can't lead a kingdom that you are not seeing. So we do not lead in the kingdom of God with human wisdom. It's not like, you know, you cannot say that, well, I was Danny Hall prefect in my school. I was sports prefect. I was um, head of something, something. And so because of that, I can lead in church. No. The kingdom of God has its own standards. And the standards are not worldly. Remember, there are three kinds of wisdom. To lead in the kingdom of God, you need wisdom. There is human wisdom. There is demonic wisdom. And there is divine wisdom. Now, divine wisdom cannot be learned from school. It has to be given to you by God. So, when you become born again, God implants into your spirit a kind of wisdom that gives you the capacity to lead in his kingdom. So, we don't, in church, you don't become a leader because maybe in your workplace, let's say you are not born again, but your workplace, you are MD. No. In the kingdom of God, you don't lead by MD and you don't lead by CEO. 
You, you cannot say that because I was successful as an entrepreneur, I can lead a church. Otherwise, uh, Dr. Kwame Despite will be, uh, will be running a church. So it is not by uh, worldly achievement. It is by divine insight. Praise Jesus. So the first requirement is you must born again. It means that if you are not born again, you can't see the kingdom. It means you are blind. So your leadership will end in a ditch. That's why before we recruit leaders, we verify. Are you born again? Do you know the Lord as your savior and as your master? I believe that everyone here is born again. Number two requirement for leadership in the kingdom of God is intimacy with God. Write it down. Intimacy with God. Intimacy with God. Now, I'm going to share something with you. When you become born again, you enter into a relationship with God. God, uh, Jesus Christ, comes to live in your heart. Okay? It means that now there's a relationship that has started. But you must understand that not every relationship is intimate. All right? Not every relationship is what? Intimate. You can be in a relationship with someone. They are your friend, but you hardly talk to them. But then if someone asks you, oh, is that, do you know this person? So, yes, it's my friend. No one disputes that. But to be an effective leader, you don't need um, just a relationship. You need intimacy. Because Christ communicates his in-depth insight to those that have built intimacy with him. Mark 3, 14 to 15. Let's look at what the scripture says. Mark 3, 14 to 15. Now look at how Jesus went about leadership. He said, then he appointed 12 that they might be with him. This is to say that the appointment was initiation into a relationship. But then he said, the essence of the appointment was that they might be with him. That he might send them out to preach and to have power to heal sicknesses and to cast out demons. There's a lot in this scripture. So what we have received is an appointment. The Bible says that we love him because he first loved us. You know, salvation is a work of the Holy Spirit. So, what Jesus Christ did was to convict you through the Holy Spirit of your need for him. Starting with the conviction of your sins. And then you begin to have a need for him. Out of that need, he saves you. Salvation means a relationship with the Lord. So, you can be saved and not intimate. Intimate requires the next step. There are many people, you can be appointed and not intimate. You can be a prophet, an apostle, an evangelist, and yet you are not intimate with the Lord. So the second requirement is that you will be intimate. That's what Jesus said. He appointed them that they might be with him. 
So that's the first step. That he might send them out to preach. So he calls you to himself before he sends you out there. You know, for many people, the desire is to go out there to do mighty things. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out devils, and so on and so forth. But for Christ, the requirement is that be with me first before I send you. If you miss that point of intimacy, you realize that you, you will be sent, but you won't be effective. And this is what happens to a lot of people. For example, because there's no intimacy, they cannot hear from the Lord. They cannot um, know what the Lord will have them do at every point in time. So you realize that you exert a lot of energy in the work of God. Because once you build intimacy with the Lord, he speaks to you. He unveils his secrets to you. Praise Jesus. So intimacy is the second requirement for effective Christian leadership. And every one of us here must be intimate with the Lord. You'll be surprised what the Lord will do with you if you become intimate with him. Spending time early in the morning with the Lord, reading your Bible early in the morning with the Lord, um, meditating on, on, the, on the word of God as a leader, okay, helps the Lord to minister to you. And it gives you great leverage to be ahead in God's work. Otherwise, you will use your strength and you won't go far. The third um, requirement for effective leadership as a Christian is that you must have a good understanding of Bible teachings. Good understanding of Bible teachings. Good understanding of Bible teachings. Now, there's this scripture. I want us to look at it from King James Version, 2 Timothy 2.15. A good understanding. So we are weighing effectiveness. Number one, you all said you are born again. Number two, I did not ask because not everyone can answer to that, whether you have an intimate relationship with the Lord. And your, intimate, your intimacy with the Lord overflows in church. You realize that those that are very intimate with the Lord, when they come into the presence of God, they don't need a worship leader to lift up their spirit because they are already broken before the Lord. Their hearts are contrite before the Lord. They wept at home before they came to church. So the moment they get to church, they, you know, we don't ascend into the spirit. We are already in the spirit. Yes, I was explaining these things at the cathedral. But if you always need something, you need like a particular song, you need something. So before you can um, be in the spirit, it means that you are not intimate with the Lord. You have to go and correct that. Now, let's go to 2 Timothy 2.15. Good understanding of Bible teachings. Let's look at what the Bible says. This is for effective Christian leaders. It says, steady to show thyself approved unto God. A workman that needed not to be ashamed. Rightly dividing the word of truth. So the third requirement for an effective Christian leader is capacity to understand the word of God. Now the two for the work 
is the word. Write it down. The tool for the work is the word, not the zeal. The tool for the work is the word. If your zeal is more than the word, you are not working for the Lord. Write it down. If your zeal is more than the word, the knowledge of God in you, you are not working for the Lord. You are doing your own thing. You cannot go to a farm with a red pen. And because you have a red pen, you say, oh, um, I went to do farming. A red pen is not bad, but the tool for farming is not a red pen. So you can go there, but you, you, are, you are sure that you can be effective. Because what are you going to do with a red pen in the farm? So that's how it is. The Christian leader, he's equipped with the word of God, not with zeal. So, in King James' version of uh, 2 Timothy 2.15, he says, um, steady to show thyself approved unto God. That brings a responsibility on us. So far as now you are a Christian leader, you realize that no one is going to steady for you. Your knowledge of the fact that now you are a leader must put a bedding on you to steady. Because the work, the word, uh, the uh, the word is um, the tool for the work, or the tool for the work is what the word. So the Bible is saying that steady to show yourself approved. That means that until you have steadied the word, you are not approved of God. So the requirement for approval is not gifting. A display of gifting is not a proof that God has approved. And this is also in scripture. The Bible says that in the last days, many shall come to me and say, we prophesied in your name. We cast out devils in your name. We wrought mighty miracles in the name. And I'll tell them, uh, go away for I do not know you. You workers of iniquity. What is workers of iniquity? Working with, um, outside of instruction. So the moment you are recruited into leadership, you must understand that God is waiting for you to approve you as a leader. And God's requirement for approval is your steady life. Why does God do it this way? Do you realize that when you are called into leadership, or when you become born again, God gives you gifts. So the gifting comes as a result of God's goodness or graciousness. It comes as part of the package. You don't work for the gift. As the name implies, a gift is something that's given to you as a result of someone's kindness or benevolence. So if God gave you a gift and you are using the gift, for him it's nothing. You are still using the Lord's gift. So he can be impressed with but men are usually impressed with giftings. Now, if a prophet is prophesying, or a miracle worker is working miracles, men are impressed, but God is not impressed. Because they have not done anything. Do you understand what I'm saying? It is still God working. The Bible says, God that worketh in us, both to will and to do. It's still the Spirit of God, for example. 
The Lord told me something interesting. When we went to Bali and I was praying, I was praying, I was telling God that he should be merciful, he should grant me the grace. When I pray for the sick, let them receive healings and, and so on and so forth. The Lord spoke to me in my uh, hotel room. He, he said it clearly. He said that um, stop praying that kind of prayer and just thank me because the healing of the sick, the working of miracles and all of that is not your work. But then the preaching of the gospel is your work. So, I stopped praying like that because you can't manipulate the hand of God. When it comes to miracles, signs, and wonders, we don't do it by will. We do it by the leading of the Spirit. So, you can't premeditate it. That's why you can't be forcing the Holy Spirit and manipulating the Holy Spirit on how he should do things. No. He shows you and directs you. But you focus on the word. What the Holy Spirit cannot do for you is preach the gospel. For you to, the gospel must be preached by you. And you, you need understanding to preach the gospel. So leadership is a partnership. We have our responsibility and he has his responsibility. For example, when we come to church here on Sunday and I sit down this way and so let's keep quiet and hear the word of the Lord. God is going to speak to us. We all keep quiet. You see that he's not speaking. Amen. No, no, he won't speak. But when you say, let every person to be si should be silent in the presence of the Lord. The Holy Spirit is moving. He's going to heal the sick. You realize that someone, then you say, okay, God is healing um, someone of arthritis. That's a declaration by faith. In the healing ministry, there is prophetic healing where you actually see God shows it to you or God impresses it upon your heart while you are ministering. All right? The Lord put it in your spirit that he is healing. So the Lord is giving you the information of what he's doing. So now listen to this. He does not heal because you said the Lord is healing someone of arthritis. No. You said it because he's doing his work and he told you. So then you declare it and say, oh, someone is being healed of arthritis. It's because the Lord is already doing the healing. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. And man cannot do that work. So the Lord heals and then the person the Lord is using is declaring it. So, in that instance, you realize that someone will lift up their hand, someone will lift a wheelchair, someone will lift um, something, and then will take testimonies. What happened to you? Say, well, I used to, my heart used to beat very fast, 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 but now my heart is beating slow. All right. Um, then you know that the Lord has performed a miracle. But then you realize that the Lord did it without the consent of the preacher. Like, for example, even as I'm teaching right now, the Holy Spirit, without my consent, 
can be healing people. So, the manifestation of the giftings, it, when there's a manifestation of a gifting, it is not the man who has done something. It's the Holy Spirit who has come to work. But then, when it comes to the preaching of the gospel, the Holy Spirit does not preach the gospel. He convicts when the gospel is preached. But it is man's responsibility to preach. That means that if we fail to study the word, we are failing to give the Holy Spirit an opportunity to convict sinners and bring them to the saving knowledge of Christ. So because of this, the Bible says steady to show yourself approved unto God. That means that in his work, God now then begins to look for those who are studying, those who have studied, and then begins to endorse them. That's why the Bible says that, for lack of knowledge, my people perish. And because you have failed to acquire knowledge, I, the Lord, have also rejected you as my priest. Because the requirement for leadership is in the acquisition of knowledge. And the acquisition of knowledge is not a gift. It's an intentional and deliberate effort by man. God bless you for listening to this message. Subscribe to Reverend Randy Impact on YouTube and all other digital platforms to receive more messages that will transform your life. Stay connected and prosper.